Welcome to Dietcast, your Dietland recap podcast. I'm Erin, and I'm joined today by Susie. Hi, Susie. Hi, Erin. It's our season finale episode. I know. Yeah, it is. It is. We did it. I mean, we didn't do much. <laughs> they did it. Congratulations, show. Yeah, congratulations, show. <laughs> I mean, we did a little bit. Yeah, you know, we we made watching this show um, a part-time job, but I enjoyed it. So that's good. That is how I like to think about all my optional hobbies that become part-time jobs. So, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. You know, um, at, the, at the end of this episode, I have to ask you a question because it's too early now. But one of the things we know is that the fate of the show is sort of undetermined now. Mm-hmm. And so we're not certain if we're going to get that second season. I know. And, and I've said before that I love, I love a show to book or a show or book, sorry, a book to show or book to movie that gives you more to the story that like, I love that it's not just a recreation that they've added more. So it's tough because at the end of the book, like it was left very open, but it is, it was what it was. And then now we got a little bit further, but I still want more. There is some good news today, speaking of books being made into shows that I think would interest you and our listeners. And that's that Lindy West's Shrill is being made into a six episode season. Whoa. Okay. Well, that's great news. Okay. Victory. We've done it. Jennifer. You know what? Jennifer lives. Jennifer lives. Uh, the beginning of this episode is an animation, but that it launches pretty quickly into a scary uh, Jennifer scene. Yeah, um, we're back in the bunker. We're in the bunker fur, not the not the nice white lady bunker at Verena's house. And I and we're you know worried something bad is happening to Plum, but very quickly, no, uh, we realize that this is just like a very dark feminist sorority sort of initiation, and Plum is in. I felt like this was like dude hazing. Yeah, I know, right? Like it, the trickery of it didn't feel like I don't know. It, I still don't. I still don't think they should all be able to shoot. But then, I mean, we later learned that the the Jennifer is started by women who are in the military. So I think we have to take into account that there are women who are very like they're they don't want to be hierarchical, but they're also have come from this very specific kind of culture so i think there's like all these military tinges there that we see i think that's really interesting that you picked up on that and i don't think that i did but it sort of explains a lot of things about i mean first their excellent marksmanship also kind of the way they structure their you know routines and living space and and decision making and stuff so um we get a lot of the bunker for this episode so it's kind of nice that way yeah we're deep bunker but after we find out that Plum is in Jennifer, we are back with our our old pals above ground on the top floor of Austin Media, Kitty in her brand new office. I get not as much satisfaction as usual out of the Kitty scenes this episode, but she's watching the news and we kind of learn that now everyone knows what uh, Soledad had been calling strategic inaction is the name of the game for Jennifer. So Jennifer hasn't done anything since they released the penis 100 list and Kitty's kind of watching that on the news when Dominic comes into her office to uh, grovel for his old job back. 
Yeah, I also don't get as much pleasure out of her scenes this week. I don't know what it was. Uh, this was a weird episode for me. I kind of took the least notes I ever have just because it, it all just sort of played out, but I didn't have a lot of deep thoughts about it. I did have a deep thought about the Cleopatra-like necklace Kitty was wearing. Did you notice that? I love the necklace, but I did not make that connection. I don't know. I mean, and I don't know enough about Cleopatra to make like a very grandiose and, and brilliant argument or like a point about that right now. Um, just a good necklace is what I think. Fun fact, I was Cleopatra three years in a row for Halloween as a child. Oh, classic kid costume. <laughs> you know? Classic kid costume. <laughs> Cleopatra and the asp. Yep. Yeah, that's a real... <laughs> that that adds up that that holds true to your, to your origin story um, <laughs> so so Dominic's there he has Stanley's files he is um trying you know now he wants to be team kitty and she does like a level of emasculation that even I like don't get off on do you know what I mean I have a note that says I'm real uncomfortable with this. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't take any pleasure in it. I'll be honest. I might if it were Stanley or another character. Absolutely. Yes. And that's like kind of like punch up, punch down. I think like Dominic, like, yes, he is a man, but he, you know, in this show, he's like, he's already pretty down on his luck. He's very sad about his wife and kids. I do want to point out that I am so out of tune with caring about Dominic's like personal plot line that last week when I was like I or last episode I was like wow why did he change his mind I can't figure it out and I had forgotten his wife had left him that that would be why he's suddenly a different kind of person but yeah some some emasculation of a very sad man in this scene yeah so no real satisfaction there um we go back to the bunker where Jennifer um, they're having an internal debate about whether they should go after a congressman as their next target. But one of the problems uh, with the revolution is they need money. And of course they've are kind of estranged from Julia and her sisters who had been bankrolling most of their operations. Yeah. And this is a great scene because I think this is what we've really wanted to see this whole time. Like the inner workings of this group. How do they pick who they're going like their next target? There's also a lot of funny little quips in this scene as they discuss. That's very much like if you've ever been in a collective, like a feminist collective, as I assume everyone listening to this podcast probably has been. If you've gotten this far to listening to us, I, I'm assuming you've been in some sort of collective at some point, a coven even. Um, <laughs> and uh, there's like a lot of quips, like, uh, someone saying like, if I hear the word optics one more time, which is funny, I use the word optics way too much. I'm talking about what's their end game. They snap when someone makes a point they like, which is hilarious to me. And at one, someone keeps trying to add a point to the agenda about their language because she says it's steeped in the violence of the oppressor. So there's like a bit of a, a wink at that kind of infighting in a way that doesn't feel yucky to me. You know, sometimes people are like the left is eating itself, but this to me just felt like a, a wink to all of us who have, you know, sat deep and talked feminism in a basement with 11 other women on the run, you know? I, I do like this scene too. And I like to, there's sort of Soledad's frustration with, there's a point where she says, I had beginning to understand why dudes love a dictatorship. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, and so that, you know, acknowledging that the the easy way to do things just isn't the right way to do it. And it's not the way they're going to do it, but it also sort of sucks to do all that work. And I get it. I feel that deep. Yeah. Yeah. So their next target is a congressman and uh, it's a congressman who is trying to take away women's reproductive rights. So like a pretty, a pretty common phenomenon, especially in the States, but also here in Canada, I've been lucky enough uh, to live close to one of the MPs who tried to reopen the abortion debate in Canada. I have, I have personally um, protested him back when I was participating in feminist collectives. So uh, they're not going to make a snappy sign and go to an office. They are planning to kill this person, which is a bit different because usually they're killing someone who has done sort of a more direct act of violence, I guess, though Stella doesn't fit into that. And Stella is a bit different too, where this is a person who is enacting a sort of structural violence or systemic violence. So different than an individual perpetrator or... And Stella, poor Stella, who just seemed to be complicit in the whole thing. So a different sort of victim. And so they're broadening their reach here, which I think is why it's sort of, it's certainly not unanimous in the group of I think it's a good idea or not. Yeah, um, but they they seem to kind of come to a conclusion about it-ish. Um, but we finally saw it. We saw a board meeting of Jennifer. You were right. There there is no hierarchical structure, but I, it did seem like someone was taking minutes and there was an agenda. So definitely an agenda. Yeah. Definitely an agenda. Um, one thing that um, is different about this episode as well. And I also think my notes are a bit more sparse than normal because I think this is kind of a conclusion wrap up episode. So we just see certain storylines, I think closing out in case they need to be closed out. So I admit I have really warmed up to the actor who plays Lita. I I really like her. I like extremely like her and I'm not sure why. <laughs> um, not that there is a reason not to, but we don't get a lot from her. But I love, I, I have a real affinity for Lita, the character and the actress. And I think that means the actress is doing a very good job. And here we see that she's collateral damage almost to some of Jennifer's more violent acts. So she... Julia and Eladio are trying to extricate her from the beauty closet where she's been in hiding for some period of time. And she's, I, I don't know how to describe her mental state, but she's basically not, not in touch with, uh, with her present reality. Um, and she's talking about how she killed Snow White. So I wondered if that is in reference to Stella Cross or if it was a Jennifer member, just because it's a Disney princess name. Oh, interesting. Oh, that's so smart to pick up because they do use Disney princess code names. Very good. Well done. Good detective work. Except an, an unanswered question for us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we will never know. So uh, that's fine. Um, no, I think, I think we will know. I think we will know. We're going to have to come back to it though, because basically she's in such a state that there's no way they can possibly get her out of the lobby without someone noticing her and that something is super wrong. Yeah, it feels like I yeah, I don't know the language to describe it either, but it's like a, a psychological break. Like she is she's not well. One like bright I don't know, but Julia is so loving with her in a really wonderful way that I wish anybody who has a uh goes through something that 
is similar to what Lita is going through has someone as just gentle and loving as Julia there with them. I am excited to announce that the next shot um, is in the bunker and there is a close up on a tub of hummus. And <laughs> if that's not like a direct handshake with all women watching the show, I don't know what is. The Jennifer Feast alternately looks very gleeful and very sad to me. Like at one point I thought maybe they had shared a Lunchable. I know. I know. Like cheese cubes and like two crackers each. I think they're eating on just like flattened paper bags. It's not great. It looks like there's a little bit of candy in there, which I think is like the one luxury they have. And you can't have a like a collective meeting without candy. Maybe a vegan Oreo too. Ooh, a vegan Oreo maybe. They're talking about recruitment and their sort of individual stories about how they come to Jennifer. And I think this gives a real new meaning to down to clown, which is how they describe the women who are willing to join their ranks and uh, start killing people. (laughs) Yeah, what a casual phrase. (laughs) Just, you know, um, part of the Jennifer celebration is... Uh, a game of truth or dare, which is probably a lot more fun when you're an adult um, and a little bit drunk in a militia group than it is when you're actually a child. I know. I, it made me want to play truth or dare and simultaneously never want to play truth or dare. Uh, so I'm not sure. I do. I just want to make one important note before this, um, since it's our last episode. We have our credits at 11 minutes in, which is actually an average. Uh, we've seen that many times before. So just a note. I, I assume four people listen to this podcast just to find out how long it, until the credits started. So that one's for you out there. Uh, thanks, regular timekeeper listeners. We appreciate you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In the truth or dare scene, what I think is most significant is this is the first time that we maybe see Sophia. So Sophia is um, the aggressive woman with the UK accent. Um, mm-hmm. We see. Her- I'm into her. I'm already into her. Are you? She's a little scary. Yeah. No, that's a thing. I that's a type I have. Yeah. All right. Never to really date, but just to look at from afar. Oh, yeah. So this, I think, is the only (laughs) moment in the series where we get any sympathetic kind of moment for her. And she's humanized because normally she's just being a little bit surly. Yeah. No, she's she's downright rude and mean, I would say. And then, um, you know, this show always lets us know why women are gruff or aggressive or the way they are. And her her story is sad. And so not only, as you pointed out, are most of these women former military women, most of them have also survived sexual violence during their time in the military. So that just that particular experience, I think, really shows us how the group is informed. And so when Sophia is talking about her favorite memory, she talks about when Soledad called to invite her. So Soledad, I mean, she's sort of the unofficial ringleader, but... You know, she's the one who actually made the phone calls. Yeah, yeah. And I am I think what was pertinent to Sophia's story especially is hearing again more of that women's inner monologue that you have. So she talks about being raped in the military. And then she talks even more about questioning herself and kind of gaslighting herself, thinking she was crazy, that maybe she was – like that she was – I think – 
the, the concept of rape in that way too, where she says someone was coming into her room at night is so unbelievable that you want to make reasons to say that it couldn't possibly happen because how could it? So she talks about how much she talked herself and, and it's, you know, like it's crazy making, it is not good. So um, she talks about being an alcoholic and, and she talks about how she almost commits suicide and, it is dark stuff. It's dark. And one thing that I hadn't considered, I mean, I'm not uh, a service woman, but, you know, these are women who, you know, they can defend a whole country, but then all of a sudden they can't defend themselves. So that contradiction, I think, must be really difficult, especially for someone who presents, you know, in that outwardly tough kind of way all the time. Yeah, like she has like a masculine energy in some ways that would probably help her to get along with other, um, you know, like a, a place like the military that is predominantly men. And then also that you can't escape, you know, your gender in those situations is sad. Let's talk about a real different kind of masculine energy with Dominic and Eladio in the beauty closet. <laughs> Great scene. I love this scene. I'm glad they gave this to a, like this was beautiful. I mean, not, but yes, please, please, please describe it for me. This is beautiful because also there are a couple of nice moments of comic relief in this episode. And I think the top of hummus was one. Um, this scene has another couple of them because Dominic is kind of there to push, uh, looking for information about Julia, trying to get some kind of access to Jennifer, but also mostly looking for Plum. But Dominic er, at one point kind of confuses Eladio, and Eladio thinks that he's hitting on him. Like, it's just really a funny sort of a scene. Why Dominic is after Plum, we're not sure yet. But uh, but I just think the the repartee between these two in this scene is just delightful, and it's kind of a lighthearted scene, and we don't have too many of those this episode. We don't. Um... We, we do immediately go back to the bunker. Uh, they're still playing Truth or Dare. I would say Plum's Dare is to read her first poem. Um, I, I kind of felt cringy watching it. There's more snapping. So they snap both during important discussions of who to murder and also Truth or Dare. And I like that about them. I think that's great. And then we find out more about Soledad. And you know, you've said this, you know, we really knew this character a lot more in the book. And this sort of wraps up some some rumblings we'd heard at the beginning of the show to hear it from Soledad's uh, own perspective now, though. We also get the linkage. So Soledad found Lita because Lita was her daughter's um, child care provider. Yeah, so interesting. And also Lita ran groups for survivors because it's mentioned again just how many of the women there are survivors uh, of abuse and assault. And that means, you know, Lita was somehow involved in that. We don't really know how she wound up at Austin Media. Was she planted there or what? Um, But Lita also helped to get the money from Julia. But they do, I think this is where they say that it was Stella that broke Lita, sort of. I think indirectly saying that Lita did kill Stella or was very deeply part of it. They do kind of acknowledge that it was a mistake asking or letting her help uh, with that particular killing. So you can tell, I think they feel a bit of responsibility for making what was obviously a very destructive choice for a woman who, you know, wasn't 
I mean, the rest of them have had some training and, you know, if for whatever impacts it's had on them have experienced some violence in a way that Lita probably hadn't before. Yeah. And I think that was the one we like, I think viewers were most uncomfortable with was the killing of Stella. So in a way, as, as awful as it is to see Lita in this state, like to see the effect that has had on her, I think resonates with how uncomfortable a lot of people feel with that choice of Jennifer, you know, to commit violence against another woman. I was thinking though about the Austin media connection where you probably know about the concept of salting. What's that? So salting, um, I don't know if they still do it, but it used to be that if you wanted to unionize a workplace, you would get a couple of union organizers hired to whatever job. And then you're in the workplace. (laughs) No, I don't know that. That's great. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so I thought, oh, Jennifer is just out salting like media companies and these just like get people hired, you know, to use them for their own political organizing. Um, You know, because political organizing, um, it often happens in the workplace, I guess. So I thought <laughs> this is Jennifer's salting episode. Uh, that is a hot, that is a great fact. Thank you for sharing that. Important to note that this is also when we learn Soledad's story um, and ties up the two boys being pushed off a bridge or two men being pushed off a bridge in the first episode. Soledad was away in the military. She herself was a survivor and her 13 year old daughter was raped, commit suicide horrible stuff and then Soledad killed two of the three men who had raped her no we thought Plum's mom was supportive I know oh god Jesus Christ sorry that was very dark no it was very dark I like this dark yeah the show is just about motherhood and um a mother's love, I guess. I don't I don't understand motherhood. That's fine. I mean, um, in another on another I would love to just see the Sola Dad show as well, to be honest. Um as much as I love Plum and Joy Nash and everything there, I love the Sola Dad character and yeah, I'm very riveted by by that storyline. Spin-off potential. Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I really relate to in this episode is there's one of the women in Jennifer says that um, being woke is the worst because once you yeah. see things, you can't unsee them. Uh, yeah, I was I was thinking of you as I watched that. <laughs> Just um, yeah, it is it is annoying. It is annoying caring all the time, uh, but it's also our duty. So here we are. Um, and what what to do when you are way too woke? Um, Sleep in a room full of women overlapping each other. You know what I mean? So I'm going to admit I would for sure quit Jennifer over the sleeping arrangement. <laughs> I, you know what? I also thought that about you. <laughs> it, I was like <laughs> trying to rationalize it because I'm not comfortable with it either. I was like, no, 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 no. I And I was like, maybe you're just so deep into it. You know, like you're just, you're so engrossed in it and you feel it so much that you become okay with this but i i'm good no i would not sleep like i all i think about is my insomnia it would be terrible there and i don't want to touch them one other really petty thing that i was thinking about in this scene is that plum really needs to take her makeup off before she goes to sleep it's really (laughs) just gonna screw up her skin she's gonna regret it you know it's hard to get supplies down there so they don't have like your your Sephora charcoal wipes just willy-nilly everywhere. True. That's a special occasion sort of a thing. 
But they do have a lot of black eyeliner. Like that, that is fair that it's confusing. <laughs> you know, that's almost mandatory. I think like you yeah. want a little bit of something. Um, Plum has a kind of a racy dream about Dominic that calls back to the tiger episode. Um, and that's part of what happens in the, the sleep heap. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I didn't want, I don't want him in her brain. I'm worried. I'm worried. There's a love story under underlying this and I don't want it. <laughs> I'm not here for it. I also thought that feels kind of like an open door to me because we don't get closure on that particular like, uh, dynamic between the two of them. No, absolutely not. None at all. I mean, we, we see Dominic interested and in, and in caring about Plum, but it's not, I, I don't know. And I think we thought Dominic's character might've been being closed out, but again, he is, he's like the number two character. I think um, he is in the show a lot. So afterwards, Soledad and Plum talk and we learn that Soledad is not a yes all men <laughs> in that she, you know, she talks about men she was uh, with in the service and that she cared about them and, and they cared about her and this sort of, you know, how does the world work where there are some people who are fine and safe and then others you just don't know are going to commit horrible acts of violence. What I like about this scene is it sort of puts a question out there that I think a lot of people might have been asking, which is sort of about um, men allies. Like, you know, do they want men supporting their actions? You know, have they chosen to go it alone? Um, And essentially Soledad's perspective on it is it isn't their fight. So they weren't asked. And I think that's kind of... just raises some interesting questions for me about, you know, allies roles are really to follow the lead of the people who are affected. And so I think that's maybe a bit of where that character is coming from. Um, Yeah. I just think it's interesting that they just touch on it briefly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that if there is another season, like this is a, a concept that we will, we will get into more like the role of men, not just, you know, in this show, but in a resistance, because um, we don't, it's so far just women all together at this point. Whew. And then uh, we come to a, we come above ground after this. Do you want to talk about the big betrayal? Verena Baptist. Verena Baptist has never looked more like a white lady than she does. <laughs> in this episode if you know what I mean like she just oozes it she's so confident and she's so soft-spoken like the very very well done um to the actress for this because uh yeah um Robin Weiger is her name she strolls into is it the police or the FBI she strolls into I thought the FBI but I can't confirm that yeah, I mean, I think we later see FBI, so I don't even know how she got in there. Like, can you just walk in? Um, and she is ready to, you know, she she is a pacifist, and it's you see such an interesting because we were so engrossed in the Baptist plan for so much of this, and then now we're kind of deep in Jennifer, and then to go back to Verena's brand of of activism feels weird i don't 
I don't like it. <laughs> I don't know. It just feels like she wants to help like four women at a time and her work is good, but she is ready to out people who are violent or who are. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Well, in this scene, she says something about, um, you know, she's a pacifist and some people are just so reckless and selfish. Ah, uh, Yeah. And I thought, what a brilliant bit of crazy making where, I mean, who's being reckless and selfish in this moment, right? Because she knows that there's going to be a certain level of violence carried out against the people that she's there to snitch on. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, all the women in Jennifer, yes, they are committing horror, you know, like these horrific acts of violence. They've also given up their whole lives to fight for what they believe will change things for the better for women. Like they believe that what they will do will help to end, end the, the war against the violence against women. So they're not selfish <laughs> at all. They've given up everything, you know, and Verena has a different method and her method allows her to have two husbands and where, um, you know, bamboo flowy pants and have her hair always done. And that's a different way to do it as well. Uh, a viewer uh, sent to us, you know, the meme of the white woman who phoned the police because a black <laughs> yeah. family was having a barbecue. <laughs> so it's a her beside Verena Baptist in this episode. We'll tweet it for anyone who hasn't seen it. Very well done. <laughs> Very well Perfect. Done. That, yeah, she, yes, she is, she is that. Um, and sp speaking of of people with privilege and whiteness on their high horse, we cut to Stanley. Yeah, and Kitty's ignoring his calls for now. Mm -hmm. I do like that a little bit. Um, yeah, he's just leaving rude voicemails to Kitty. There's, you know, if I never see Stanley again, that's fine. Nobody needs Stanley. Although I think the setup here is that we're going to get a lot more Stanley. Yeah, Stanley's ready for vengeance. He's ready for, like, his own counter. Jennifer, what would it be called? Just, like, Steve, I guess. <laughs> Brad. I don't know. Brad. <laughs> One of those names. <laughs> the male resistance. <laughs> um, so Stanley's going to head that up. Great. Can't wait, Stanley. Um, hope your bunker has hummus. Do you want to talk about the Kitty and Cheryl scene? Right before this, though, is when we are in the bunker. Do you want to go in order? Or I'm happy to do whatever. Oh, yeah. You know, let's talk about that. So um, so it's code black in the bunker. Yeah. she First, we see Plum writing some new manifestos for Jennifer. It's like very women's studies. It's fine. Uh, I agree with all of it. And it also makes me cringe. But someone brings in a newspaper. It's Soledad. She's there in her military uniform on the front page. And she's been outed. And so that means that they have to abandon the bunk of her. Yes. And it's very, you see this military training come in, they're grabbing their guns, they're dropping everything. No one hesitates. Um, I do think Plum should have had a walkthrough to know what would happen, like to explain all the different scenarios, because she's very lost in that moment, but it's fine. Agreed. And then I think there's a specific fear for her too, because earlier in the episode, you know, one of the women is kind of, well, Sophia, uh, the scary mm. one has called her out on, you know, are you going to be able to keep up? You know, you can't be a liability to us. You know, I'll turn around and shoot you if you slow us down. So the whole thing must be terrifying. 
Yeah, no, it's not the rest of the episode, um, especially with Jennifer, is is very heightened and, and very much like an action movie. As close as I'll get to watching an action movie, I think. But yeah, Kitty is looking radiant in her office. We go from dark bunker to Kitty just sort of glowing and smug as ever. Talking to our old friend Cheryl. I didn't think that Kitty was going to turn on Cheryl like this. I thought they were going to be an allied force after Stanley's ouster. Yeah, I mean, Kitty earlier in the episode says that um, uh, something about how after like every coup, you need a purge. So she's pur- she just doesn't care. She just purges. She tricks Cheryl into like sort of quitting. I'm wondering what the the severance package is on that because <laughs> Cheryl didn't actually quit, but Kitty um, essentially fires her uh, because Cheryl doesn't. You know she she's not a- exactly she's a journalist. She wants to be a journalist, and Austin Media is not having journalism. They're having their own messaging. Dominic is there just sort of as an uncomfortable witness to it and sort of as Kitty's henchman almost. And so the whole thing is just sort of embarrassing and uncomfortable. And then Cheryl leaves. And I hope that won't be the last we see of that character because I I think we were pretty fond of her. I love her and I am upset because like, is she in Jennifer or not? I still don't know that she isn't. Because she could be some sort of, you know, one of their, she could have been salted is what I'm saying. Um, she could have. Yeah. And then we, um, we go back to Lita uh, in the beauty closet uh, in this scene. So we see Lita and then Julia walks in and I, and in my head, I think, oh, like they really led, like Julia is really coming and going rather freely at this point. And I'm immediately <laughs> shown that she is not. Um, cause Julia is caught. She's been outed as well. And so this is part of, I guess, Verena's play is that Julia, um, Julia is going to take the fall for this. Now she and Eladio have also drugged Lita so that they can get her out of the building without incident. So Lita, I think they say they give her an Ambien or something. Once Julia is caught, uh, Eladio just feels like he can't really handle this on his own. So he just leaves her. Uh, in the middle of the beauty closet. And um, this is such a tense moment, like this moment of uncertainty where it's like this most probably wanted woman in America is just alone in the middle of the Austin media building surrounded by the police. Like it's the tension of it's incredible. I know. Um, It's very good. And then we cut to what I found. I found it sad. uh, Very sad. We see one of Julia's sisters being arrested at yoga um, and they are other arrested while pushing her baby stroller down the street and Verena walking smug as ever. And I hated Verena at this moment. I hated her. She's never looked so happy and she's just never been such a terrible human being. This she's so self-satisfied and it's hard to observe it. Yeah, and we we see three women of color, like three black women being arrested. Um, and she's also thrown another woman of color. So I think that, like, I think race plays, you know, there's something really to be said here for this smug white woman having all of these, you know, like she could have tried something else or she didn't, I don't know. You know, she was protecting herself. Exactly, and she's protecting herself at the expense of all of these other people because we see that the cops are also closing in. Uh, on Soledad. 
Um, and this is where you can see kind of why they've set up earlier in the episode that we care a little bit about Sophia now, because she makes a choice to, this is a real loaded word, but I think she tries to martyr herself for Jennifer because she does sort of a, I think what would be described as suicide by police on uh, a different yeah. kind of ship. Um, yeah. And interesting to think about like Sophia is a white woman, like, is it maybe this is better of what being an ally is is letting soledad leave and um letting these other women leave like i don't like anything i don't like any of the choices these women have to make you know but sophia and again shows that sort of soldier side of her like self-sacrifice so not not so selfish and reckless is she verena and and the rest we see plum and soledad in there and they're trying to get out or they're hiding um, and then we cut back to Kitty, who is wearing gloves up to her elbow. Like, those are my dream gloves, by the way. Upper gloves? Yeah. Yeah. Like, just, and like, this is like a Thursday afternoon. Yeah. Just in the summer. <laughs> I know. Actually, it's not summer, is it? No, it's, it's not. Because they're wearing a lot of toques. I did want to note that Plum, Plum got a toque early on in this episode. So I think that was part of the initial. You got a sleeping bag jacket, an actual sleeping bag, and a toque. And she really pulls off the toque very well. I know. It's like she's adorable even when she's like just hiding in an underground place. Um, But yeah, it's Kitty and Dominic. Again, these two. God, this is a spinoff I'm not watching. <laughs> these two are perfect for each other. It's not Kitty and Stanley. <laughs> it's Kitty and Dominic. Yeah. Um, Kitty thought she'd have more fun. She's pretty disappointed. I kind of hoped she would have more fun. I thought her takeover should be more satisfying. Yeah, yeah, it should. You're right. You know, it's like she's made a big, bold move here. She's selfishly worried that Jennifer is over because she wants to meet an active Jennifer member who she can, I think her goal would be to manipulate them into going after Stanley and the men on that list. And I think she's feeling a bit exposed right now that Stanley is sort of um, going on the offensive and she doesn't have too, too many people in her corner. And she wants, so she kind of wants Dominic to infiltrate Jennifer, like, ish which i mean good luck <laughs> but you know what i think he probably could something about this character is he just kind of weasels his way into everywhere he wants and there is a lot of hate sometimes thrown at dominic just by me for no good reason <laughs> like i understand that there's not a lot of basis i just i I got a grudge. I don't know why. And I should be eating my words soon. So Dominic is leaving Austin Media. He's got an old timey punch card. Did you see that part? Oh, no, I didn't notice that. See, like, it's like you put it in the thing and like clicks and then you put it in your own slot. What is going on there? Because he's talking to another security guard. Anyway, I could talk about that punch card for 25 minutes because I can't imagine that Austin Media uses those. Anyway, I digress. Um, he hears that Julia was arrested. And he asked the other security guard about Eladio because he kind of knows that they're all together. And then he, he, the security guard doesn't know. And anyway, Dominic winds up going to the beauty closet and he finds Lita. Now, after this, does his next move redeem him in your view? I know. So that's what I'm saying. No, I don't care. I don't care what he's doing. <laughs> I mean, yes. I'm happy for what he's he does. I... Still not 
he's neither good nor bad. Do you, you know, he's just so regular. And I I am relieved. I feel I like I felt so relieved to see Lita in Plum's apartment. Like that made me generally feel like, okay, that's the only place I want Lita to be is nestled in there with that adorable couch. Yeah, with that great couch. But Lita is so vulnerable. And I think this is one of the things where if we don't get a second season, you know, you sort of wonder what would have become of this woman who's like really unwell and still in hiding. And now the only person who knows where she is and who's taken on the responsibility of keeping her safe is just this guy. I know, though the good thing for Dominic is he needs a place to stay right now as well. So we've got like an odd couple sitcom maybe coming up, you know, it's him and Lita and their crazy antics and Plum's empty apartment. So we'll see if uh, if those are choices that are made. Just to, Just a little help for anyone. Um, looking to forward the plot. My notes are really interesting because I have a note about how he breaks into her apartment and then I have like a long note about how that's like criminal harassment and then I realized he just did it to keep Lita safe so I like crossed all that out. (laughs) So, you know, I got a little off track. Um, Uh, uh, Closing out the Jennifer scene, so Plum Panics when a car arrives to pick up her and Soledad and Soledad makes the decision to let her go and let her live. Yeah. And she, um, you know, tells Plum to stay behind and to tell their story, but here it is. Here's the, the season finale ending. That's not what happened. Um, Plum gets in the car. She is full Jennifer. Yeah. She hops on in. I feel like for a generally satisfying episode, I shouldn't find fault, but I don't like. No, but that's what we're. That's what we do. That's what we do. <laughs> I wish. So the song at the end, it's uh, it's Peter Gabriel. Uh huh. And I mean, I like Peter Gabriel uh, as much as the next person, but I just thought, oh, wouldn't this have been a nice opportunity for like a woman artist? <laughs> like, because it's like all quiet and all you hear is the like the song over it, and it's. It's like Genesis. So, <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I always think it should be a, a, woman's, a, a woman musician. So, yeah, I don't disagree. So, if we didn't get a season two, would you feel satisfied with the way they closed up the story? I mean, yes. It, yeah, I wouldn't feel... I'll tell you, I've felt more ripped off at series finales that were intentional than I would if this were an unintentional one. You know, it's no lost finale. So I feel like I saw a full arc of Plum um, and I saw a shift and I saw how someone's ideologies can shift and their life. Like, I really enjoyed that. And there are some conclusions, like there's so much more that could happen. I don't think it's a show that should go on too long anyways. Like, I think you don't want it to become some zany show about like every week, what a new, what new murder has Jennifer pulled? I think there is both like a way to conclude the show, but it's also difficult because like, what is the real conclusion? Is it like full revolution? I I would love a hard turn (laughs) into some sort of dramatic global women's revolution which i don't think is where it's going but i feel okay like i i want more and i also think they did a good job of telling telling a story this season what about you 
I think I feel a similar way where I, I like, I mean, there are some storylines where, yes, I would like some more, but I think you're right. We did see a complete transformation for Plum. And in that way, I have like the good kind of unanswered question where you you wonder about what might happen to her. I think I'm glad that they avoided like where I don't want this show to go. And I think you're completely right. This is sort of a short series. You know, I would be happy with a second and possibly third season. I don't want to see a knockdown drag out where like all of Jennifer goes to jail, you know, or, or they all get shot. Like I don't, I don't want that kind of ending for it. So I loved where it's like there were casualties there, you know, there are in wars and struggles. Um, but I like that the the hope kind of continues through the episode where it's like, you know, they're still on this mission to change the world, you know, whether or not you agree with the methods. Um, but they're still they're still free. And I there's something powerful about Soledad especially kind of still being free at the end. Yeah, absolutely. A good a good season and I think some really strong episodes as we came towards the end. And again, still hoping for that season two. I know. And if not, I hope all of these actors get wonderful jobs in other shows because I really enjoyed the acting. Agreed. I think the acting is really strong um, in all the characters. So hopefully we'll see lots more from these folks. Yeah. Okay. Um, So that's it. Season finale. Yeah. Well, thanks uh, to all of our listeners. Thank you for listening and sticking with us through this full first season. Um, We are going to bring you some bonus content after the end. So uh, subscribe to Dietcast. um, Stay tuned for that. And thank you so much for your listenership and your support uh, over all these episodes. Um, Thanks for listening. Thank you.